that's that other piece of entrepreneurship that is so incredibly important. It yeah. is going to be a grind some days. It is going to be hard. But if you stick to the plan that you've created and you are willing to put in the work and doing the right steps along the way to make sure that the work is in fact the right work, you're going to know that you can achieve long-term success. And if you're not achieving yeah. success, you know it's probably time to pivot. and welcome back to Designing Growth. Today on the podcast, I am very excited to be joined by Zaylee Barclay. Zaylee is a visual content creation coach and Thinkific expert for online course creators. She specializes in helping entrepreneurs effectively stand out and make a genuine impact in the digital space. So, with that short intro out of the way, Zaylee, how are you doing today? How's everything going? I am great, Sam. I'm so excited to be here on Designing Growth. I'm really excited for whatever question that you throw at me today, <laughs> but I'm doing pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that spirit. I can already tell that this is going to be a fun one. So one of the questions I always, almost always start off these episodes by asking is, how did you get your start doing what you do now? How did you become an entrepreneur in the first place? And more specifically, what led you to this current business or iteration of your business? Yeah, I love that you said iteration of business, because let me tell you, <laughs> I'm sure you know that, you know, you start with something different and then you end up where you are. And then you look back and you're like, oh, I can see how I ended up here. I mean, as <laughs> a founder of a company that recently did a pivot, totally understand that. And I think that at some point, like, you know, you embrace that and you accept it yeah. as a natural evolution for yourself, for your growth, for your business. And if you take that in stride and you can overcome it, you'll most of the time end up better on the other side. So exactly. So going back to your question, started out in the beauty space. I, I would design and sew clothing. I loved doing my makeup and all of those things. I started sharing those things very early in the online space. And as I grew, I realized that I was very good on camera and even better, my audience realized that I was very good on camera. So that kind of business does take a while to grow. And so what ended up happening was I started getting asked more about knowledge-based content based on video and showing up in the online space. And as I grew, I grew on what I was able to share and my services. I started being able to talk about how to sell on camera, how to differentiate yourself in the online space and even how to teach on camera because I was really good at that as well. So I started in one thing, but my audience realized that I was good at other things and started asking me, hey, and I realized I liked it, <laughs> you know? So I started really helping others to really show up on camera, sell on camera, be brave on camera, create consistently and create multiple six-figure businesses and six-figure businesses by getting on camera to strengthen their personal brands. So that's really how I got started and in a nutshell, how I transitioned to what I do now. <laughs> you mentioned you were in the beauty space. Did you have a business also associated with that? Or was that kind of just your YouTube channel that you were maybe working on on the side? Both. So I cool. would design as well and sell okay. my clothing and sell my jewelry. And now that I can look back, I'm like, wow, like on my blog, I was using my blog as 
a marketing outlet. I didn't know what I was doing. Now that I can look back, I was like, oh, okay. So you are creating content to sell the clothing that you're wearing or share the looks that you are wearing and how people could eventually purchase it from you or purchase it right away. Now I can look back and see, okay, I was on the right track, (laughs) but I was also very aware of the amount of time it would take for me to thrive and Also investment, right? Mm -hmm. I think one thing that we're pretty spoiled with in the world that we are in now of software and of knowledge-based content, online courses, the investment barrier is very low compared to a huge physical business. Such a smart way to pivot your business, first of all, into teaching others and working with other businesses how to create courses, how to show up on camera and do marketing. But Also, I think a really great case study of seeing an opportunity and going after that opportunity, even if it wasn't originally what you had in mind. Yeah, it's kind of like you said, it's never the right time to pivot, (laughs) right? What makes it the right time is that you do it and just embracing like feedback that you get. And trust me, I still love fashion. I still love design and clothing. And I know I'll do it sometime later on again, but right now, I'm so in love with this adventure that I know I can pick up that one later on. Amazing. Amazing. So your business, and I I was doing a little research online, is that the TDG Visual Solutions? Yes. Amazing. And how big is your team now? I have five people on my team right now. That is impressive. And what was that process like? I imagine, please correct me here if I'm wrong, that it probably started as just you initially and grew over time. Yeah, it definitely started as me first doing everything kind of like we we all start out and eventually I realized that if I wanted to make more money I had to hire on it was a scary thing to do but I understood that it had to be done in order for me to grow also in order for me to focus on my own zone of, of genius I couldn't be doing everything I had to learn as a creative I'm a creative business owner and it's not always easy for us to leave things behind (laughs) or delegate or trust someone else enough to execute the way we think we can. When in reality, you can hire someone to operate in their zone of genius while you operate in yours. So obviously having to climb the ladder and do more tasks that tasks that are obviously higher income and then hire on for the tasks that you're able to outsource at a lower price, basically. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in there, especially around the aspect of if you are a solo business owner, there's nothing wrong with that. But it does ultimately create a ceiling for you know the number of clients you're able to take on, the amount of revenue that you can do because you're tied to your time. And we all only have so many hours in the day. When you decided to make that decision, was it something that you said, okay, I need to hire for XYZ? Or was it kind of just like, I need to go all into this and I need to build my team all at once? What, what did that process of hiring and looking for people to bring on look like for you? Oh, that's a really good question. I feel like I've had different moments along the journey. There were times where I did just hire on one person and there were times where I decided, hey, I need to hire three people this month and was able to do so. Although that can be pretty stressful because (laughs) then your job turns into, you know, making sure that everybody gets onboarded and things like that until you're able to find someone else to do that for you. Um, But You know, at different times, it was different things. Obviously, when I first decided to, I hired on 
one person. So I hired on a VA and was able to kind of, you know, get to a stable place with her and I. And then I was able to hire on a video editor and I kept growing. But I've also had times in my business where I had to burn it down and start from scratch again, <laughs> just so that I can catch back my vision and really double down on the things that were working. It's such a wild ride. <laughs> And I think a lot of people think that the tra trajectory is always like up, but there are going to be times where you have to scrap everything and, you know, restart again. And I know you didn't ask that, Sam, but now I'm like. <laughs> no, it resonates near and dear to me right mm. now, because I mean, that's what we honestly ended up doing in February of this year. We burn it down and we rebuilt it. And looking back, it was incredibly scary at the time mm -hmm. to scrap this software tool that we'd been building at this point for you know months. At the time, it was like overwhelming anxiety. But looking back, I am so happy we did it because it would have been a almost surefire path to maybe yeah. not like failure right away. But I but... don't think that we would have had nearly the amount of opportunity ahead of us now if we hadn't yeah. done that. Yeah. And the craziest thing is sometimes as an entrepreneur, the fear of the unknown can hold you back because you can hold on to something that you know and you're familiar with. Maybe it was an old dream that has come to a place or a point and your intuition and everything else around you is telling you it's time for a shift, but we want to hold on to what's familiar. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that can definitely just be one of those things that can hold us back. So kudos to you and congratulations. Thanks. It's going well. <laughs> and that point you had just mentioned too also resonates significantly for me because when I think about like that fear of the unknown, yeah. what it can do sometimes when you are tied to like a previous vision or a previous idea or a previous, previous iteration of your business, it can make sticking to a list of pros and cons really challenging. I don't know if this is something that you've found, but something I've experienced personally is like when you're making that list of pros and cons, like do I keep my current trajectory as a business, as yeah. an entrepreneur, as an owner, or do I, you know, make a pivot? When you are focused on the past and your idea of it going in, it makes those potential pros seem mm -hmm. less significant and makes the mm -hmm. cons seem bigger. Even if that's not the reality, the reason why it feels better is because you've had that experience already. And yeah. going into this, a new venture, a pivot, whatever you want to call it, you are wading into waters that you're unfamiliar with. Yeah, you're so right. And it's crazy that the most beautiful learnings and lessons come from what you learn along the path of the hardest thing. I could not agree more. One of the parts of your story that I wanted to ask you because it was reading through your website that was really interesting. So you mentioned on your website that you actually moved to the United States from Trinidad yeah. when you were 18 yes. years old. What was that like? Could you tell me just a little bit more about that experience? That's such a good question. It was wild. Like <laughs> remembering that I did that lets me know that I can do anything because I left everything that I knew and pursued a scholarship and going to college here in the U.S. And it was unknown. I did not know what was going to happen on the other side of doing that. 
And I also dropped myself into the wildest city in the world, which is also my favorite city, New York City. So coming from a tiny island, and I'm also from the south of the island, so I'm also more from the countryside. (laughs) And really just going through a big shift of, you know, coming to New York City that now I look back and I'm like, you are crazy. But I do that about everything. Like, I look at my whole life and I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> um, it was a culture shock in so many ways. I didn't have time to think or process <laughs> what I did. I had to survive and figure it out and figure out that concrete jungle. But it was also... I can't even think about what life would be like if I didn't take those risks and and do something like that. And it also allowed for me for when it was time to pivot (laughs) and move somewhere else. I left New York City after 12 years and I moved to Dallas, Texas without knowing anyone that lived here. Well, I knew I had a client that lived here, but we had never met in person. I had never been to Texas. I had never been to Dallas, but I knew it was time to shift again. What an amazing story and tremendous courage that that takes. To me, hearing the story in your own words, it's like, oh, it makes perfect sense that you ended up in entrepreneurship because I think that (laughs) sometimes that's what it can feel like is like moving to a place where you know nobody. And a lot of times nobody's really cheering for you especially not early on, you're doing it by yourself. It's about your motivation, your drive to make those things happen. It's been wild, but it's been so rewarding. (laughs) I love that correlation of it being very similar because it is. And also just people not believing in the vision when you first, I remember telling my friends and my family that I was leaving Trinidad and they were all afraid. So I've always learned not to listen to other people projecting their fears onto me because every huge move you're going to make in life, you're going to find people that are going to tell you that's not going to work. Don't do that. It didn't work out for this person or that person. You got to be crazy to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wild thing. And that idea of people projecting their own fears onto you is something I haven't heard put so eloquently before it's something i've definitely felt but yeah. hearing you say it that way i'm like oh yeah a lot of times you have to ignore people and trust your gut it's not saying don't ever yeah. listen to anybody but it is saying like if there's something that you believe that you can do and you want to do it a lot of times you got to stick with that initial feeling that inspired you in the first yeah. place one of the videos kind of along this topic that I watched and I thought was a, a really, really well done video that you put out was why all entrepreneurs need therapy. I would love to know from your perspective, what are some of the struggles yeah. entrepreneurs face, even going more specific to like your experience, what you've seen? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I have processed so much more since creating that video and learned so much more, which even further validates the point that I feel like we do. Because on my journey, there were so many things that I was doing and I never had a name for it, whether it was in my personal life or in my business life. One of the things that I shared about recently that I realized through therapy is that I was a people pleaser. And I I could see 
in my business, how much that kept me back, whether it was closing sales, whether it was reaching back out to someone to find out even a testimonial, something as simple as that. I would have the, I don't want to bother that person attitude or mentality, sharing a really strong perspective online. I wouldn't share because I would feel like, you know, I don't want to get canceled or I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way, or even if it was something that I really genuinely believed in, I realized that if I didn't process it as I was a people pleaser, I processed it as, oh, I'm just a good person. (laughs) There's such a difference between both things. And so really realizing that within therapy and getting to the core of it and understanding childhood trauma and things, not everything that I learned as a kid is going to serve me in adulthood. I was able to then process those things and come through on the other side and run a completely different business even. The idea of being a people pleaser, man, that strikes a nerve with me because it is something that I really struggled with and I think continue to struggle with in some ways. We all um, do. Because yeah. I have that same fear of like, I don't want to bother this person. They've been a great customer. Like We have a great relationship. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I feel like I'm asking them too much. I think it gets easier when you start asking for yeah. those little things, whether it's help in your business, whether it's a yeah. testimonial, whether you are asking a potential yeah. client directly, hey, do you want to work with us after you've been talking for months? Those conversations can be really tough for people who have a natural tendency to want to just like keep the conversation smooth sailing, no peaks and valleys in between, just mm-hmm. like line. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, you can't make any progress if you're not willing to be a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that one. That part (laughs) right there. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. You're absolutely right. And I think that it's just important for us to have an external perspective, which is really internal because your therapist is just going to bring your thoughts out of you. And give you something to think about. But essentially, if you never have that external perspective, you're not going to realize, oh, wow, this is affecting my business. Like even in my therapy sessions, my therapist didn't say this is affecting your business because we were speaking about just my life in general. But processing those things made me realize, wow, I can see how this is showing up in business and affecting our bottom line and affecting, you know, how I communicate with my team. Or how I hire, I might want to hire someone or I might hold back on hiring someone because I just don't want to deal with the extra energy or the person or I feel like I don't deserve support. And I think that's something that people pleasers, we always think we're bothering someone or asking someone for too much. And so even though you've hired this person, you're paying this person, you being afraid to say, hey, next week is not a a great week for you to take off. I'm so sorry. I wish you would have let me know in advance. You know, like (laughs) simple things. I think in some ways therapy and specifically talking about business owners and probably for everybody else, but therapy becomes like this processing power that your brain doesn't currently have the bandwidth for. And you're adding on that extra bandwidth by going to therapy. Wow. 
<laughs> you're giving me things to think about so I'm like well oh, yes <laughs> I so agree like you just don't have the space to tap into those parts of your brain and so having someone else help with that I think is is really important it just allows for growth with you with you within yourself and like you said you know it's gonna be uncomfortable but it's gonna be worth it I can't take entire credit for that take because our last business was all about serving mental health therapists. We we're doing marketing wow. and websites for mental health Amazing. therapists. I have spoken with, I kid you not, probably 5,000 therapists over the years. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is a little bit more of a technical question, but a systems and operations standpoint within your business. What are some of the tools that you are using, whether it is to manage projects, whether it's to manage teams, mm -hmm. whether it's content creation. Like, What are some of the favorite pieces of software that you were using right now that you find a lot of value in? Yeah, let me tell you. Well, I have ADHD, so it depends on how my brain is working <laughs> at a certain time, which is horrible. I have to create a YouTube video about that because it's also so honest, right? I remember buying planners on Notion and being completely confused on how to use them because someone created it like way too complicated for my brain to process and then deciding I'm going to build out my own templates and things like that. So we use a few things, but for different projects so that I can see it in a different way. So mm -hmm. we, we do use Notion mm -hmm. and we use Notion for ideation, for hosting content ideas, knowledge-based, just projects that we're working on. Like if I'm building out master classes, I even use it to teach actually. So sometimes instead of using Canva and designing a slide, I'll create it in Notion and teach based on the document, but also give my students access to my living document mm -hmm. so that they can get updates, things like that. I use monday.com for content organization and my assistant also loves Monday. She uses it to manage like her daily tasks and also like just her vision for the year based on what I've given her. So those are two that we really use. I also use Sunsama and I've like signed up and canceled it a million times because of how my brain works. But I really enjoy using that as well. It just helps me like keep a tab on what I'm doing daily. We use Google Drive for SOPs and yep. videos, just hosting things that we may have to come back to. Or if it's a document that I'm kind of working on, I do lots of sponsorships and partnerships and they usually use Google Drive. So, mm -hmm. you know, getting into a document if we're fleshing something out um, or, you know, communicating based on ideas and things like that. That is awesome. And one of the reasons I asked that question, we had talked about a little bit earlier, but you know, mm -hmm. you've grown this business up and you have a team working with you now. And I think that there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are like right on the cusp of that. And I think mm -hmm. hearing from someone like yourself, about what you're using and how you're using these tools can be really helpful. Yeah, no, you're so right. It is helpful. And for me, I like transparency. I'm not perfect. I think it's just this super organized myth, mythical ideas that we have about entrepreneurship or online business owners. We're still figuring things out. And I like saying that because a lot of times we look at videos on YouTube and their systems are so organized and everything just looks like so flawless. And 
I am not one of those people and I'm not afraid or ashamed to say that. <laughs> I know like even I may have a document and my assistant, it might drive her crazy, but I understand the organized chaos. And I'm so appreciative of her because she always knows which brain I'm using based on this project management system. So it's always helpful. Well, and I think that too, your assistant's also yes. a great reason to keep those people close because yes. if you find somebody that can understand your brain, they can understand the way yeah. that you work, especially as an owner, a founder, those types of people are invaluable and they Gold. aren't everywhere. They are a no, needle in a haystack. Not. You're so right. I have found myself in situations where I would beat myself up because of how my brain worked when I was working with a person that their brain was too similar to mine, like like too creative, chaotic, all of those things. And I remember the first week, my current assistant, Sarah, she started working with us and I couldn't, for some reason, I think I was just super busy with projects that week. And so I couldn't onboard her in the right way. I was like, listen, get in there this week. Next week, I'll be free and I can help you like figure things out. And she got into everything in the business and started organizing and literally was on Amazing. my back end like wait what's happening <laughs> <laughs> like what i always tell her that like she didn't ask a question she didn't she just got in there and i was just so amazed and then you just realized that she could organize my chaos. I know sometimes I might ask her for the smallest document because I can't remember where I put it, but she just always knows where it is. And, you know, you're so right. Like finding the person that can work along with you is really, like you said, a needle in a haystack and it affects your day to day. So it's golden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's something that now that we're talking about, it, I think a lot of times in sort of the small smaller business space, talking like under 10 people working with you. We don't call it culture of the business. Yeah. I, I think people feel like that's too corporate -y or too big of a mm -hmm. word for them. But at the end of the day, like I'm of the firm belief that whether you are two people working together, you're 10 or you're a thousand, you have a culture that's been created within the business yeah. and it flows down from the first person there to the last person who's been hired. I think that understanding that and coming to terms with yeah. That and having an idea of what your culture is and what you stand for and the type of business you are building, it can really help you find those people and then also help you further your growth as a team. So like I said, people are afraid to use that word culture, but I think it's yeah. a real thing. I don't think we should shy away from it. I completely agree. And I love the way that you put that. It is, like you said, even if it's two people or 10 people, it is really important. And it is what it is. It, it is the culture of the company. And it can also set the tone for how you grow. So mm -hmm. oh, that's so important. So thank you so much for your time here today, Zaylee. I wanted to ask one more question and then we'll wrap it up with two final questions. But while it's kind of hot on my mind, I would love to just pick your brain about what you were doing for marketing within your business. What strategies are working really well for you right now? That's a really good question. Uh, marketing is something that I'm always testing. We have our platforms that have served us really well for a few years. And there's always new emerging concepts and strategies and platforms. So I would say marketing right now is a balance of staying true to what works because I think a lot of times we see a new shiny object and we drop everything that's working and run over to that. Guilty. Uh, <laughs> listen, I get it. I'm here for it. I get it. So it's balancing 
uh, just knowing what works and also not getting left behind because things are always changing and evolving. So paying attention, seeing what's what we can test and try on different platforms. YouTube is always like home for me. I love creating content. I love creating long form content. YouTube has served us really well in that as a small creator and a small channel, I've been able to really use YouTube as a tool for traffic, even though I don't have a lot of subscribers there. I think that's a whole misconception of you have to have 100,000 subscribers to do really well on YouTube. If you use it in the right way, the opportunities that can come to you are endless. <laughs> so that's our main platform. I use Instagram to nurture a lot because we can use things like stories and, you know, they have broadcast channels. Now, there's so many ways to nurture on Instagram. I love stories, however. And so even if I find someone or someone finds me on YouTube, there's always a way to get them over to an Instagram or a Facebook group where I can nurture that relationship and eventually get to the sale aspect of it. And then another thing that has worked really well for us is also creating on TikTok. It's an outreach platform and I feel like it's a whole different like vibe. It's just more relaxed. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Sam? I've only found out the differences uh -huh. that you're describing within maybe the last three months. I'm starting to realize Instagram yeah. seems to be a little bit older like 25 yeah. to 45, 50 or whatever. Yeah. But TikTok, it skews so much younger. It is yeah. wild. But at the same time, there's still a space and there's still a ton of people on TikTok, but you mm -hmm. almost have to like follow what the kids are doing in some ways and have that more relaxed mentality. Part of the reason why I was laughing is because like that was something that when I first started trying to post on TikTok because the first TikTok uh -huh. I ever created was for our company. Now I do right. some stuff on my personal channel, but it's like that sense of being like super professional and buttoned up. You don't have uh, to. And it doesn't work on TikTok it most of the work. time. Yeah. So uncoupling my mind from that idea yeah. and being willing to be a little bit more vulnerable yeah. was really hard for me to overcome. And I, I'm wow. still working on it. So <laughs> that's yeah. why I was laughing. I love that. I love that you shared that. <laughs> I was like, what is Sam laughing at? But no, I love, I really love that you shared that. It is a different experience. It is a different type of platform. You don't have to be as perfect or polished or professional. I think that's what the beauty of it all is. Like, I agree. For me, TikTok really made me realize when I started on TikTok, I then realized, whoa, I've accomplished so much. And I'll say that because the things that people were sharing, I'm like, Zay, you've done all of this stuff already, or you've been doing all of this stuff for the past few years. And I realized also how powerful me telling those stories were on TikTok. So Literally, you can pick up your phone and share, well, you know, this is what I did to do X, Y, Z, or this was my experience of how I went from this to this. And I realized I had not been telling those stories at all. And just bringing that concept or mindset over to a YouTube or into my email newsletters or even my live streams, like that is helping my community to become even closer to me because there's so much, there's so much that I just never shared because I'm like, nobody wants to hear this. Like, you know, the beauty of it is just learning from each platform, how you can integrate specific things to drive specific results. 
And yeah, that's what we've been enjoying for marketing. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And that piece about sharing, it's like a couple months ago, I took a step back and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm watching these videos where people are giving these very in-depth mm -hmm. details about their business. They're saying like, here's how many clients I worked with last month. Here's how much I made yeah. from those clients. And old brain Sam is like, oh, I would never share that. Yeah. That's against the rules. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Um, and now I'm seeing like, but if you're not saying those things and somebody else is saying them, you're missing out on a, a big opportunity because your video is going to be the one that gets skipped over. So exactly. And people want authenticity. They want permission. They want a deeper understanding and trust of the people that they desire to pay. We don't buy from companies. We buy from people, essentially. Yep. And it's very different, but it's so true. Amazing stuff. And yeah, it's a learning experience every day, too. But uh, Definitely. yeah, thank you so much for sharing what your marketing looks like right now. Cool to hear, too, for me, because these are some strategies I'm just kind of tiptoeing into. Like I said, I'm working to learn, be better a little bit every day and, you know, seeing some of the fruits of what I've created thus far. I mean, like you said, you yeah. know, you don't have to have the biggest account, the biggest following. No. Nope. As long as you have a message that resonates with people, exactly. content that resonates with people, it's going to be effective for you. So definitely with that, two final questions for you here. First one, business one. Second one's going to be a fun one. Okay. If people want to learn more about you, about your work and the things that you are doing, where should they go to find you? So I am Zaley Barclay everywhere. That's X-A-Y-L-I-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y. I am on Instagram a lot. And we also have our Brave on Video account on Instagram where you can learn more about getting on camera and how to really build a business based on using video in your marketing and in, in building your personal brand. Fantastic. And we will put links to those things in the show notes. And now for my final question and our fun one, mm -hmm. outside of work, what inspires you? That's a really good question, Sam. Oh my gosh. I would say um, my health and wellness journey because let me tell you, it reminds me that things take time. It only works if you work it. <laughs> It just reminds me to stay the course. It reminds me to set goals. If you don't set goals, can't accomplish them. It reminds me to track and, you know, collect data because it's the same in business, right? When I think about your fitness journey and your business journey, man, they are so similar. Consistency. If you don't show up, you can't accomplish the goals that you have set for yourself. So that's what I would say. I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but... It is honestly a fantastic answer. And I think it ties back to what we even were talking about at the earlier part of this episode. We were talking about how you came to the United States when you were 18. You had to kind of take mm -hmm. that leap. I think about that. And now I think about how you're saying that your health and wellness journey is inspiring mm -hmm. you to stay consistent, to track, to do these things that you need to do to make incremental progress. And yeah. that's that other piece of entrepreneurship that is so incredibly important. It yeah. is going to be a grind some days. It is going to be hard. But if you stick to the plan that you've created and you are willing to put in the work and doing the right steps along the way to make sure that the work is in fact the right work, you're going to know that you can achieve long-term success. And if you're not achieving yeah. success, you know it's probably time to pivot. <laughs> 
Yes, yes, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the bow on top of like the, the gift. <laughs> well, I got to so say, good. it's yeah. easy to talk when you have somebody that's easy to talk to. And <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a blast for me. And honestly, a little Same. bit of a therapy session. I'm going to leave this today <laughs> and I'm just going to be kind of floating on cloud nine being like, okay, you know, you've come a long Both way. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for having me. This has been really awesome. I'm like, damn, our conversation is over already. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on again in the future and Good. get some updates. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for another great episode of Designing Growth. If you like this episode and the content we are covering, it would mean the world to us if you go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. As I say in every episode, you don't even have to write a review. Just click the five-star button and it would mean the world to us and get this podcast out to more people. Until next time, Sam Shlobowski signing off. Have fun, good luck, and go crush it. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.